It's elimination time, baby. Bruins and Beavers, this time for the Pac-12 title implications on the line on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this edition of the Locked On UCLA Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Dioxheimer. Thanks for making the show your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe. If you're in every day, or you've been seeing the little buildup into this show. And also, hey, Throwback Thursday. That was pretty fun, right? Between the Bruins and the Beavers. If you're missing out, go check out the last episode of Locked On UCLA. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the most qualified, the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. No terms and conditions apply here to the keys to the game for UCLA and Oregon State. A lot has been made about the UCLA defense. They've been good. Can they hold up against the Oregon State run? The Bruins have had good rushing defense numbers to start the season. Oregon State has been able to run the ball over 200 yards a game, have one of the better rushing offenses in the country with a sneaky good quarterback who is a big name but hasn't lived up to the big name in college in DJ Uyangalele. Will that actually come to fruition after his best game in Oregon State? For UCLA, it's been, hey, Will the offensive line protect Dante Moore? How does the true freshman quarterback go into his next biggest road environment? It didn't go so well in Salt Lake City. Can UCLA find ways with a bye, a win against Washington State to spring this into UCLA victory? All right, let's get into keys to the game for the Bruins and the Beavers. And as we do on Friday, we get a little more high tech. We do some cool things like we press the button number one. Have success on early downs. First and second downs, as you see the other keys. There you go. Have success on first and second down. Why is this so important? Well, if you're UCLA, you don't want to be on the road facing third and long situations. This is a Beavers team that, while they're not as dynamic, as not as dominant, I would say, as the UCLA defense so far through the first four to five to six games, depending on how many on each side, if you're looking at which team. Overall, Oregon State they blitz a lot on third down. I was reading some unique numbers, some statistics, I believe from the the Match Quarters website, about how Oregon State, these last couple of years under Jonathan Smith, first and second down, not a lot of pressure, not a lot of blitzing, right? In 2022, they're near the bottom of the country when sending a blitz percentage-wise, right? And when it comes to percentage of the plays they played defensively in first and second down, they would not have a lot of blitzing packages in the first and second down in 2022. Third down, they were amongst the top 30 in the country in terms of percentage with blitzing, right? They blitz about 37% of the time. That was in 2022. In 2023, similar trends of sorts, reading what the Beavers do. Early downs, they blitz a little bit more, 27%. This year on third down, they have blitzed almost 47% of the time. Of Power 5 teams, that's the 18th most, 18th best if you want to say best. But it comes to their blitz rate coming up on third downs almost half the time. And with UCLA struggling, and you can see multiple times against Utah, against Washington State, even in previous examples in previous games, the Bruins offensive line has not been up to, to snuff communication-wise, getting all the protection, whether it be a back in the backfield, even with max protection, sometimes the Bruins let someone leak in 
get Dante Moore on a non-scheduled rollout and the Bruins get stuck having to punt the football. This is where the Bruins need to have early success. It's running the football. It's getting easy pitch and catch to get a, a second and short, a third and short. UCLA already isn't good statistically, numerically coming in and converting their third downs. doesn't matter down distance. It's protection, although if it's third and short, you would expect the Bruins to pick it up because they have a pretty decent rush offense. The numbers say good, but how can they handle doing this against an Oregon State D that plays pretty decently against the run, although not recently against Cal. So one key, UCLA, stay out of third and longs. Early success to set yourself up for third and short so you don't have to face the relentless pressure Oregon State is going to bring. Statistically coming in, their blitz rate almost 50% of the time. Under that, but almost 50% of the time on third down, which I think that number will climb. And I think Oregon State will bring a lot of pressure in the early downs based on what the tape has been shown for UCLA's offense if the Bruins can't run the football successfully. Key number two, it's big play offense. Well, there's two different ways the big play offense can come out. Oregon State's coming off a 52-40 to 40 win against Cal and their backup quarterback. All, all these different random things in Berkeley. I know Oregon State missed some defensive players. They have their top two DBs out, but their secondary isn't necessarily their strong suit. They were missing some starting options that could make a bigger impact and a difference into what the Bruins will face in Research Stadium. UCLA is facing an Oregon State team that defensively has played much better at home than when they gave up 38 points and 400 yards passing to Cam Ward on the road, when they gave up 40 points on the road in Berkeley. They're almost a little different defense at home, and yet when you go back to that second key, it's big play offense. In games this year, especially in Pac-12 games for Oregon State, They've given up big play touchdowns, 60-plus yard touchdown to Wazoo, a 44-yard touchdown, a 30-yard or 40-yard touchdown to Utah, and their only score in that game on a short Friday night when the Oregon State Beavers beat Utah 21-7. And then Cal, a 30-yard touchdown, a big play, but they were able to churn out almost 250 yards on the ground, 7.3 yards per carry. So there's different ways to look at this big play offense, right? For UCLA, I think it's going to come down to they need a big play score, something that's a 40-yard touchdown or more to get them going offensively. Maybe it's a play action. Maybe it's a blown coverage. Whatever it is, UCLA will need some big plays to move the ball down the field. And yes, Cal last week was able to go 5-for-5 scoring in the red zone against Oregon State. So the Bruins can't get deep in the red zone and stall out or force or throw a turnover or lead that to a pick six. I think UCLA needs to help themselves out once or twice, get a big play score. I know Keegan Jones had a couple of slot-in rushing touchdowns to end the game in the fourth quarter to give the Bruins the lead and then extend it to an eight-point game. UCLA, big play touchdowns, because now, after last week, the Bruins, a little, they might be, especially as fans, we're a little worried about how special teams played last week. A missed extra point, a missed field goal, and a blocked field goal. That's not good if you're a UCLA fan when you saw three missed kicks heading into a big road game where the line is about three and a half. That's about a field goal that's going to decide this game. You don't want it coming down to a field goal. You want a big play score, limit the opportunities, the amount of field goals you want, and to not stall out in the red zone. So a big play. But if UCLA turns into Cal's book and is averaging seven-plus yards per carry, then they're not going to need an 80-yard touchdown pass. And I'm not saying they need an 80-yard pass, but bigger plays. Play off the run game if they can be successful. And if Dante Moore is slinging it around like Cam Ward did against this Beaver team when the Cougars were up 21 points in Pullman early on in the season, 
then UCLA will be successful. They need big plays in this game to win the game. They don't need five of them, seven of them, but they will need a big play score, a couple of big plays in the passing game. Maybe someone breaks one off for a big rushing touchdown, which we have truly yet to see in Pac-12 play. We saw maybe earlier on in the San Diego State game, but have not seen it since conference play has started. So big plays, important. And Oregon State has been a little bit leaky at giving those up. Can the Bruins take advantage if they give more enough time to throw, if they break one off on the run? Whatever it is, get a big play and take it into the house. Key number three, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see these, these keys. If you're listening, here's key number three. Make DJ uncomfortable. What that simply means is, hey, UCLA's got a great defense. They made Cam Ward look human. He came in and was Heisman candidate worthy of sorts on the outside of lists that everybody, regardless of website, publication, anything, was giving Cam Ward a lot of love coming into the UCLA game in week five at the time for the Bruins. What was UCLA needing to do, or week six, whatever week it is, there's so many different weeks, for Cam Ward came in and the Bruins made him look human. It was because of the pressures. And I already touched on this in the most recent Locked On UCLA episode. DJ Uyunglele is someone who does not complete a lot of his passes when facing a bunch of pressure. So if you can get him uncomfortable in that game against Washington State, he only completed 50% of his passes. He's a big body, tough to bring down, is mobile, can break off a run here and there every now and again. And Oregon State's got two very good backs that are capable of pounding the rock, just like the Bruins are. Two, maybe more than two options, but two big-time options rushing the football. When Oregon State has to throw, or they decide to throw, it's getting DJ under pressure because he completes less than 50% of his passes when being pressured. That can lead to turnovers, third and longs, and then you can get Leatu, Latu, and company teeing off with the front seven all on DJ Oyangale. And the secondary or the Bruins overall defensively have been keying on forcing turnovers. You've seen Ben Bolch read it, write it about in the LA Times. Everybody's talking about the UCLA defense, which will be able to tell a lot in this game, the physicality and the mentality on the road, which they already proved in Utah, but they can do it again. You don't want to lean so heavily on your defense to hold an opposition to 7, 10 points offensively every game. Because you can play a good game defensively and still give up more than 10 points. Now, the numbers dictate that the Bruins rarely do that, especially when the offense is giving up points via pick sixes or giving teams short fields again and again. It's up to the defense to get in the backfield, make life terrible for DJ, who is a much bigger-bodied quarterback to bring down. Can the Bruins take him down? Can they? Will they not miss tackles, which they've been a lot better at this year? And just simply... Getting there, QB hurries. DJ isn't one of those guys coming off of what the numbers say that he will get a little bit more flustered when there's pressure. That's what the numbers say, and we'll see how it plays out coming off of his best game as an Oregon State Beaver in the early part of the season. So can UCLA get to the backfield? If they do those things, a lot of defensive things, the offense needs to play well, and then a lot of early success for the offense for UCLA, then they can come away with the victory at Oregon State. I think it'll be a little bit more low scoring. And I'll tell you my prediction at the end of this episode. Next, though, we will tell you about some recruiting updates for UCLA basketball. And hey, a former Bruin got recruited with a big deal. We'll talk about that coming up next. It's time to tell you now about LinkedIn jobs. Because think about the UCLA defense for a second. 
how many cast of characters getting their second chance, third chance. You just had to find where the talent was as the Bruins went in the portal. Well, if you're a small business, you don't have a transfer portal. You're going to have to look and find every new potential hire, which can feel like a high-stakes wager. Whether you're playing the portal like a Chip Kelly or if you're a small business, you want to be 100% certain that who you're bringing in can be the best qualified candidate available, which is why you should use LinkedIn Jobs, who can help you find those right people for faster and for free. Keywords there. You can use screening questions, which makes it easier to focus on who you want to interview so you don't waste your time in the interviewing process, and then hire to prioritize those individuals and then bring them in because small businesses actually rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors, almost like a transfer portal of its own, right? LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Second segment of Locked On UCLA, Zach Anderson Yaks. I'm with you guys. Going to flip the script to basketball for a second because Bro Report reported that, hey, UCLA extended an offer to a seven footer in the class of 2025. So I thought, hey, let's take a look at who some of the prospects are once again after UCLA's big time class of 23, seven freshmen, four international recruits, and three domestic recruits, all of which will play significant roles this season, even if it's not a lot they will play significant roles in this year for the development of the team and for the success of if they're going to compete for a national championship, compete for a Pac-12 championship, and simply be a good team at all. Because the preseason, everybody's not giving the Bruins a lot of respect early in preseason polls as one of the best top 25, top 30 teams in the country, even though most expect UCLA to make it into the NCAA tournament. Either way, 2025 for UCLA. Who did the Bruins just reach out to well it was the a little recruit or not a little recruit but a recruit reached out to is Xavion Staten Sierra Vista and he from Las Vegas Nevada seven footer in the class of 25 currently a three-star the Bruins have already checked in on many different guys in 2025 recently I talked about kind of end of summer right before fall Kaman Malawak who played for I think on Team Sudan and he played in the FIBA World Cup He's with the NBA Academy Africa, seven-footer. The Bruins have checked in on him. The status currently is a little bit cool there. One of the bigger players UCLA saw over the summer, McCronin, was photographed, as many coaches were, sitting courtside in that big tournament in Arizona, watching Koa Pete ball it out with this humongous high school tournament in the summer. And Koa Pete is now one of the top targets in the country, considering Cooper Flagg jumped up a class. It is Koa Pete is a five-star 99 rating. That's a guard the Bruins are looking at out of Gilbert, Arizona. So a 6X or 6'8 small forward, I should say, coming out of Gilbert, Arizona. So the Bruins are looking for some small forwards, wondering maybe in two years' time, at the best, they might get out of Berke, Buyung Tunjel. If their recruiting has gone well, Berke won't probably stay longer than two years. Bona, you've got Mara, and then you've got currently the likes of Nuba. All those big men, even though Devin Williams is in the system as well, that will be two years for him. It would be two years for Mara. Bona, no, nobody expects him to stay beyond this year. He's supposed to be a first-rounder. Anub is running out of eligibility. 2025 is a time when you can go after Malawak. You can go after a Koa Pete or recently a Staten where UCLA is going, someone, going after someone who's starting to rise in the class of 25 
where, hey, maybe the Bruins can steal a seven-footer. Now that McCronin's proven, hey, we want seven-footers, not just uber-athletic 6'9", 6'10", big men in the post. UCLA's going for a big-time size, and they'll need it, need it heading into the Big Ten as the Bruins are a bit warmer, looking at 24-7 sports. Warmer on this recruit they just offered recently, who's giving a little bit of looks from Arizona State, Auburn, Creighton, DePaul, seven-foot, Pound seven foot 190 pound center from Vegas who just got offered from Memphis, got offered from DePaul, San Diego State, Missouri, all within the last few days. In the middle of October, this kid is getting some power conference looks, high mid major looks. If you still want to call San Diego State that, this is someone who the Bruins are saying, hey, they're going after size. They've been looking internationally, that the international option would be Malawak, and then the domestic option, technically growing in the class of 25 from Vegas, would be Xavion Staten, who the Bruins are going after. And then let's take a quick look one more time in the class of 24, because the Bruins already have one commit in Eric Freeney, which is a unique class for Mick Cronin to truly digest, right? Who's going to stay? You've got Eric Freeney, who's already committed to UCLA. And then when it comes to prospects, there aren't a lot of top targets. There's Brody Kozlikowski and Makanda Youth as guys who are listed as possible targets initially for UCLA, regardless of what they're actually doing right now, who they've committed to. Those are just guys they've just looked at for UCLA as potential targets with all these freshmen. UCLA might not need more than one or two freshmen in the next year. Eric Frenny could be a guy that who has now jumped up from a three-star to a four-star recruit since he committed to UCLA. So he's only rising even further in his class after his commitment to UCLA, the Bruins won't need that many commits in the class of 24. Now, if everything, now say best case scenario happens, everybody dominates, and then all of a sudden, Mick has got to truly hit the recruiting cycle again. I'm not sure he's ready for that. And one more thing, there's still plenty of guys who UCLA internationally might still be going after that we don't even know. It was hidden in the works that they were looking for a better cave a year prior to where they got him, but he's older than most of the freshmen coming in. And then he got a Daimara who's been this hidden recruit. And then finally it leaked that he, the Bruins were going after him over the summer. Still plenty of guys to look at, but Eric Freeney, their only commit for 24 has risen to a four star. The Bruins might not get a lot of guys in 24 and then 25 having some interest with the seven footer where the Bruins will possibly probably be depleted at that point in the post with all the recruits from this year, unless Devin Williams stays one, two, maybe three years, or whoever they fill in to get the, the big men some opportunity, we'll see how that looks like a year plus into Big Ten time. One final thing to wrap up this men's basketball segment, speaking of recruiting or different things, it's actually Jaime Hakas Jr., still a member of the Miami Heat because the Dame Lillard trade happened, and he didn't go to the Heat, which means Hakas Jr. is still a member of Miami. He signed with the Jordan brand. Seems kind of fitting, right? UCLA working with their Jordan brand. Jordan brand gets a, a shoe deal with Jaime Hawkins Jr., one of four NBA rookies, Jet Howard, Marcus Sasser, Cam Whitmore, and then you've got the likes of Jaime Hawkins Jr. Seems like a good fit there with the, the heat where he can fit in role-wise and apparently apparel-wise, gets some love as a rookie. So good thing for him. That's where he gets recruited. Stays in Miami, probably a better fit than Portland, in terms of playing on a winning team at the moment, but you know, playing in Portland could have 
giving him a lot more development and timing on the court. We'll see why he fits with the Heat this year with a wide open, I might think, maybe not, NBA season. And now there's a lot of recruiting, whether it's apparel deals, players next year, the year after, or just Mick Cronin trying to keep his players or any coach this for this day and age, keep their players on their team in the day of the transfer portal. That is your men's basketball recruiting update. Next, we talk about prediction. What do I think this UCLA team is going to do? I've actually predicted UCLA is going to win every game. I have not predicted against the Bruins. Is that going to change? Is that going to change in this next segment? You're going to want to find out. UCLA, Oregon State. Well, this is a bit of a toss-up leading into the next segment. Here we are with FanDuel. They have the line between the Bruins and Beavers. Three and a half. The Bruins are plus three and a half. They're underdogs on the road in Corvallis. And they've been underdogs in their last two road games at in Salt Lake City and in Corvallis. Do I think UCLA can cover? I, I gave reasons on the college football kickoff live show that we have for Locked on UCLA as to why they can cover. The defense, one of the most pass-efficient teams in the country, one of the best pass defenses or growing pass defenses. And then also, hey, they got to look at one of the better rushing defenses, taking on one of the better rushing offenses in the country. It's a great battle. The Bruins are plus three-and-a-half point underdogs Three and a half point underdogs against the Oregon State Beavers on the road. And while I'll tease a little bit more next, you should join FanDuel America's number one sports book. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on, kick off the NFL season because new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you play just a $5 bet. Maybe you want to do that for this game? I suggest you should. You might get some bonus bets in addition to your winning. $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So go to fanduel.com slash locked on, kick off. NFL season, enjoy college football season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Third and final segment of the Locked On UCLA podcast. Zach Anderson, Yoxam with you guys. It's time to predict this one. As I just mentioned, if you're listening on the, the ad version, then I said FanDuel has this game at three and a half UCLA, three and a half point dogs on the road in Corvallis. That's no slide against the Bruins. That's just how tough it is to play in Research Stadium because one week Oregon State gives up 38. On the road in Pullman next week, they hold a pretty beaten-up Utah offense to seven at home. Then they go on the road to Berkeley with some starters out and give up 40 points, but put up 52 on the Cal Golden Bears. Where do I think this matchup's going to go? It's a unique battle between strengths and some significant weaknesses going against one another. UCLA strength, which comes with their defense, facing off against a, a, an offensive line that could easily win awards, although some publications have written about how there's some leaky elements to the Oregon State offensive line, and just simply the Bruins' ability to pressure Oregon State in the previous week without needing to throw in lots of blitzes with three down linemen, just standing up, I should say, based on what the broadcast kept saying over and over again. If the Bruins can get in the backfield, that will lead to success, and I think now that I'm willing to lean on the Bruin defense to do so. It's up to Dante Moore and the UCLA offense to one, prove that the offensive line for UCLA can handle the task of protecting Moore, handle the blitz-heavy packages Oregon State is going to throw at UCLA. Specifically, if you look at the numbers on third down, as I talked about in the beginning of the show, but they'll probably bring those in waves first, second down, and a lot of the time, more than half the time on third downs. Can the Bruins convert? I do think UCLA will get a couple of big plays offensively, this is not going to be a game I expect where any either team gets to 30 unless it's just some defensive onslaught or just a total beatdown. Or maybe it's the high-scoring clear line I've been wanting all year long and we just haven't gotten it. 
I don't think that's the case in this game, which is why I think UCLA will win this game 21-17 on the road, which is a unique thing and uh, quite the battle if the Bruins can hit these three keys again. Success on first and second downs, avoiding third downs, big plays, and make DJ uncomfortable, which is why I think that Oregon State won't score that many points. They shouldn't have as much success despite going five for five and fourth down in a week previous. Despite many things that can lead to success, this being a home game, and they need to have this game with their tougher part of the schedule coming up next with Washington and Oregon in back-to-back weeks down the line for the Beavers. The Bruins, you win this game, you start creeping up closer to the top 10 and all of a sudden get into different conversations like we had a year ago in 2022 about, hey, the Bruins could be college football playoff worthy. Now that's too early to talk about those things. The Bruins have to win those, win this game, do it convincingly, and then we can talk about it, how the schedule lines up for UCLA. But that's what the implications are for both teams. I think the Bruins are up to the test to winning this game on the road. There are still some scrappy opponents coming up. I do think they could be Oregon State. Because think about what Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, UCLA all did to each other. Utah beat UCLA. UCLA beat Washington State. Washington State beat Oregon State. Oregon State beat Utah. All those games are at home. And the best thing I've seen is the team that's going to win the Pac-12 is the one that's going to be able to win on the road. And UCLA, you're not going to be deserving. They're not going to deserve any type of win, any type of college football playoff nod, which is way, way, way blowing out of proportion at this moment. They're good, but we got to see them prove it on the field to make it to the Pac-12 championship game. To even make it to a big-time bowl game, you have to win away from home. Even though they get more you know, fanfare, it seems like, on the road than at home, UCLA must win at home. I think the Bruins have maybe found something with the way they ran the football. Oregon State will run the football a lot better, a lot better than what Washington State did, a lot better. They're not going to hold the Beavers to 12 yards. That's just not what's going to happen in this game. I do think they can hold them under their average, which is what the Bruins did against the physical front in Utah when they knew they were going to pound the rock. I think UCLA will keep the Beavers closer to 80-plus yards under their average, which still means they run for 120, 130. They could go for more than that. But UCLA needs to win the rushing battle or keep it close and win the turnover battle. I'm confident the Bruins will force a turnover in their sixth consecutive game to start this season. I think DJ is someone who, when you're facing pressure, this is not the defense you want to face at home with the big game, a team that can get in the backfield with a quarterback that isn't the most entirely accurate to begin with, which is why I'm leaning on the UCLA defense to guide the Bruins. Dante Moore just needs to limit the mistakes. Limit the mistakes. I know it's not all on him, especially when you're getting flustered with pressure every single time that he will face in this game. I do think the Bruins can get enough done offensively. It's scary to say that 21-17, I'm not entirely sure how high scoring this game will be. It could even be the complete opposite where their teams, both teams, just blow up the defenses. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Bruins not only cover, but win straight up. Stunning. Stunning. Oregon State's a good football team. They could easily win this game by a score or two scores. There's no slight against the Beavers. I'm believing in the Bruins, and I have believed in the Bruins. But now they've got to go prove it to everyone once again on the road that UCLA can do it. And then the favorable part, quote-unquote favorable part of the schedule comes up. Prediction time, UCLA 21, Oregon State 17. Might be an ugly defensive slugfest for the third consecutive game with a little less offense than the Wazoo game. 
I just hope the Bruins come out on top, which is why you're going to want to, if you're an everydayer, wait for the reaction episode after the Oregon State game. So get ready for that one. Watch it on YouTube. Listen to it. Subscribe, download, everydayers. And if you're just interested in all the, the emotions of that game, come afterwards and enjoy the fun or the sadness together with me. This is Locked on UCLA. I'm Zach Anderson. Yoxheimer signing off, saying thanks for tuning in. Hands up, Bruins fans. It clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. U C L A. Fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.